The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the Hello power, everyone and welcome power, to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. Coming to you live once again on Port Fan Radio. As usual, I'm your host, Macca19, and joining us, as usual, is uh, the Rickster. Mate, how are you? Not bad. Yourself? Very good. I'm very excited to be talking about tackle tonight. What about you? <clears throat> oh, I love a good tackle, so that's uh, that's good. Um, yeah, yeah. How are you feeling, mate? That was a uh, pretty much <laughs> the most heartbreaking loss you can possibly think of. I'm not feeling much at the moment. I'm still shocked, disappointed, in despair. Um, how many more adjectives can I throw out there? Mm. But in a way, I'm. How did you of, feel on uh, on Saturday night after the game? What were you feeling? I felt annoyed because Nicole was paro from a wine tour, and, <laughs> and so and so she got. I picked her up just before the game, and she was. So I had to sort of nurse her throughout the whole game. And um, and then it got to the end of the game, and this is how funny it was. She goes, I don't feel well. We've got to go home. Mm. And I just went, that ain't happening. <laughs> and uh, and I said, you just got to suck it up. And, uh, yeah, look, I was a bit, I don't know. I was sort of, it was such a good game, and it was so highly charged. I guess I, I didn't feel like this overwhelmed uh, budget sort of emotion. It was just... I was sort of just a little bit numb with disappointment, but it was such an intense, enthralling game. It was hard yeah. to be overly disappointed by that. Oh, I'm bitterly disappointed by it. But um, yeah, I wasn't angry. I wasn't upset. I was just, I was sort of slumped back into my into my chair when Shuey took that mark. Uh, sorry, took the mark. <laughs> Got the free oh, kick. Yeah, and uh, and you just knew he was going to kick it and. The the only thought that went into my uh, my head was, yeah, that's that just figures this year. Like if any way that we were going to lose that game, that would be the way. And it, as I said on the uh, on the forum on Saturday night, it's just such a fitting end to the season. It just sort of matched the season and how it panned out perfectly, um, which is uh, which is bitterly bitterly disappointing. But as soon as Wingard missed that kick on the wing with about a minute left. And, and kicked it straight down the throat of McGovern. I thought we're going to find a way to lose this. Yeah, I mean, but look, it's easy to dissect, you know, little little bits of play and be hypercritical. I mean, we could we could also argue why didn't instead of Ryder trying to be flary and just tapping it to Gray, to, you know, why didn't they go, you know, the traditional back to the boundary line, punch mm. it straight back to the boundary line uh, instead of like back tapping it. Inboard, yeah. You know, I mean, the the I'm, traditional. I'm surprised foot... we didn't rush through a behind when, uh, with about 20 seconds left, um, Pierard was sort of tapping the bowl along. I honestly thought, just tap it through the points. You're not going to get called for deliberate because you've got three people about to tackle you. Just knock it through, and um, we decided to keep it in. And yeah, whatever happened, happened. Yeah. I guess, I mean, we, you might bring it up later, but, you know, I guess it's interesting. You know, we have the, the chairman coming out saying that, you know, Hinkley's disappointed. There's players that don't, don't follow his instructions. 
Um, you know, I mean, was that an instruction? Who knows? Who are those players? Are they repeat offenders? Um, is there going to be change at Alberton, potentially? Mm. Who knows? That's, um, that is something that we can discuss over the next few weeks, for sure. Because uh, we'll be yeah. doing this podcast until after the draft, so you've still got another two months of us um, crying into the microphone, um, which is great. Um, let's do our love and hate. One thing we loved and hated about the match on the weekend, mate. We'll start with your love. We're going to start with our love. Jeez, oh, it's, it's hard to have a strong love after that sort of loss, but I guess I would probably go um, with the conventional, uh, the youngsters, um, even though that sort of cost us in the end, the fixation on our, our youth policy coming into the finals. I thought um, Bonner um, really grew into the game. Howard grew into the game. I love seeing Houston crying after the game because I think he's just such a great player and big fan. And, you know, it's good to see a young kid with so much passion. Um, DBJ, even though he rushed his disposal a little bit, he was fantastic. And even Marshall, to a lesser extent, you know, it's hard to judge a kid with three games and 88 kilo harshly. Uh, It's not his fault that he was selected. But, um, yeah, those... Those kids give us optimism for 2018, and then you can throw in uh, um, Frampton that's been already put on ice to get ready for next year. So I think that's yeah. a very uh, a very positive uh, pathway for us. I think it's certainly a positive. And look, Howard obviously broke the record for you know one percenters and and had such a good game. I thought Bonner was great. Um, I really look. Marshall got hammered, and we'll talk about that a bit later, but. He still played a part in three or four goals, um, including a, a wonderful handball of about 20 metres, which ended up with uh, Pal Pepper for his snap at goal um, from the boundary line. So he, he still certainly um, played his part in a number of scoring opportunities for the club. Absolutely. Which was great. I'm going to do my love and hate in one because uh, they're kind of linked. Um, I love that in a final... Our team were able to stop West Coast from kicking a goal for over a half. You know, from mm. from the nine minute mark of the second quarter through to the thirteen minute mark of the fourth quarter, they went goalless. Um, as I said, Dougal Howard had an AFL record twenty two one percenters on Saturday night. I feel like defensively, we've got potential premiership quality back there for sure. Like Howard's got the height, the pace, the reach. Um, Cleary has the endurance and has done some great stopping jobs this year. Uh, ben Jones is going to continue to improve. Bonner had seven or eight really, really great moments on Saturday night. For a kid who everyone thought shat the bed in the preseason, I thought he was brilliant um, and really showed his worth. Uh, Houston was solid as a rock back there as well. And when, when you throw in Jonas and Pittard and Harlett and some good backup, um, I feel like defensively we're, we're set for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know if you saw my post when you made a comment. I replied to it today and... I think the de- defense is really our uh, the most optimistic section of the ground at the moment, and uh, I agree with the, everything you've you've sort of made reference to there. And I guess mm. I thought Bonner really accepted the adrenaline of the game and and went with it. And you could yeah. see that as the game went on. And you know he didn't even look like he was running that fast, but no one was catching him. And no, he, right. it was he was like a young, skillful uh, Jasper Pittard that didn't burn the ball. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he was great. And um, yeah, I, I'm glad we put the faith in him because um, we would not have seen that performance otherwise. And uh, and I, I think it would have put a lot of hope in, uh, in Port supporters' heads uh, for the season to come. Um, my hate is that we were able to keep West Coast goalless for over a half and we still bloody lost. <laughs> and look, only we could manage to keep an opponent goalless for a half in a final and still find a way to lose. And um, I, I hate that this match had all the hallmarks of Port Adelaide 2017 condensed into the one game. Like It, it had everything that we've complained about all year. Like the shit start, the terrible midfield that just didn't come out to play in the first quarter... It had the comeback. It had the massive period of dominance, like for about forty-five minutes, where we just dominated possession, and uh, we only managed to score one goal three in that time. Um, getting comfortable after we hit the lead, the shit decision making and choking under pressure, which ultimately cost us the game um, in the last two minutes. Um, and as I said earlier, I started a thread on Saturday night called a fitting end. And I do believe it was the only way this season was going to end um, in uh, heartache and frustration. Yeah, I can't, uh, can't disagree with that. Yeah, we did. The third quarter really cost us one goal, three. Um, you know, Charlie missed that snap on the run. You know, I, it really wasn't that hard. He probably should have, well, he should have just done a lot better, not probably. Um, you know, he was a mammoth, and I'm sure we'll talk about that shortly. But, uh, um, but yeah, as a team, as a whole, you know, I think there was a few out on the falls in that quarter as well, wasn't there, from that right, the scoreboard pocket. Yeah. Um, so, so it was the third uh, quarter again. Like, third quarters yeah. all year. We've we've dominated. We've come out after half time and dominated opposition. And I know a lot of people on the forum have said all year, Look, when we come up against a decent team, we're not going to be able to afford to do this, and that happened, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm very disappointed by that because I really thought that we... Um, I've been saying all year on the podcast, like come finals, I'm expecting us to deliver. doesn't matter what's happened in the past, just matters what's happened in the future, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed that... Um, that they failed to deliver on on Saturday night, but I guess that's just a result in a conservative forward game plan where you know we come out and really focus on kicking to the pockets, and I just think it's madness. I mean, it, what was what that means is that we put ourselves in an average position to score goals, and uh, other teams, which I won't mention, have shown courage with their game plan to actually kick long and deep at the right times front and centre, and they reap the rewards. And even West Coast maximised their chances by uh, kicking to players in very good positions um, rather than going deep into the pockets in the forward line. Um, So I think our game plan is a little bit flawed, and I I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that. And, uh, you know, I I know the club has to toe a party line, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't seem to see why they have the utmost faith and confidence in uh, uh, the Hinkley game plan that uh, that they are, because uh, they're seeing something different than I see. Mm. Was that your hate? Sort of. Um, I did text you my hate because I'm notorious for getting them. <laughs> um, my, so my hate was the lack of structure and discipline in the current Hinkley era. Um, so we're four and nineteen now, I believe, since post 
14, is it, for games under two goals? Yeah, probably close to the mark, yeah. Or I don't know if that includes the 13 and 14 era or not, um, you know, which is very, very disappointing. And um, someone was trying to flame me on Facebook today and, uh, you know, well, I was trying to say, well, you're not going to win a grand final and make a grand final if your record's uh, 4 and 19 uh, under two goals because, A, you're not going to win enough games to make top four and, B, when it comes to clutch games, you're probably not going to get over the line because you're only, a, you know, under a 20% chance of uh, doing it, so which isn't good enough because finals always end up being close games. And mm. But um, just quickly, I guess, uh, yeah, I think our midfield at the moment is their biggest weakness. They're poor with disposal at best, and I don't think they work hard enough. Um, I know it was a long game and they everyone was fatiguing, but... You know, at the end, West Coast was still working harder. You know, Paddy Ryder was getting a bit sloppy at the end there. And, you know, in that last quarter before the extra time, you, you could really see um, there was a lack of midfield structure across the ground, which meant that we weren't able to run in waves, which meant that the players had sort of had no choice but to bomb it long. Um, so there was a, a really obvious lack of structure. And I think we've had that for definitely the last three years now and uh, and again that cost us uh, cost us dearly on the night and you know if the yeah. club wants to maintain faith with Hinckley well I think you know they need to have a bit of foresight to identify that Hinckley was very successful um, with senior coaches next to him and maybe that he needs additional support to what he's got at the moment yeah well, I, I would agree with that. I think our, um, our structure, certainly for this game, was incorrect. We spoke about it in the preview, and I think we all sort of agreed, um, Portia, myself and you, Rick, that uh, we were going in one toll too short. And um, you would have to say, given what occurred on Saturday night, that that proved to be the case. Um, given their, their toll forwards started the game with a bang, um, <laughs> You know, Jack Darling, who we spoke about being a bit of a finals flop in the preview, ends up kicking the first two goals inside three minutes. Um, you know, thanks, Tom Jonas, because uh, that probably wouldn't have happened without with uh, with him out there. Um, and then we uh, we threw Marshall to the Wolves, absolutely. And Jeremy McGovern ended up having his, uh, what, career-high marks, career-high um, one-percenters, and was one off his career-high disposals. Um and just tore him to shreds um, in the contest, unfortunately. But would that have happened if uh, if Trengove was out there and playing up forward or down back? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's hard to say. I, you know, given that um, the three-toll structure worked so well against West Coast two months ago, I would have thought going in with a similar structure to that would have um, would have been the way to go. But uh, obviously, the coaches preferred the run of Impey, and uh, yeah, I guess he did a lot of running. But it's it's unfair on um, Pittard and Hartlett to play that third tall defender as well because that's not what they are. And no. um, look, I, I said on uh, in the preview that um, maybe we'll see Hartlett go to Darling and maybe that might work because he might be able to sort of run him around a bit. But uh, yeah, certainly didn't work. No, yeah, they they were able to maximise it and and get good delivery, especially early and. And why why was it that they were able to get good uh, delivery, especially early? Because we had an impotent midfield for the first yeah, quarter. Exactly. Uh, right. what, once again, the midfield was nowhere, and 
Um, you know, yeah, okay, Paddy Ryder only had one disposal or something at half time, but all our key midfielders, when they looked at the first quarter, you look at the disposal chart, there was no one up there. I think it was a no. defender that was our key major ball winner. And outside of that, you know, it was almost like 2004 preliminary final, Roger James-esque. You know, he was the only one that gave a, up a yelp and the rest were nowhere to be seen. And, it, you know, this was the same. The boys just were not getting their hands on the ball. And yeah. I think, you know, I think they're good names on paper, but I think performance-wise, they're average. And I think that if we really want to become a premiership threat, I think there might have to be some hard decisions made on some of those players running around in the midfield. Yeah, I, I do kind of agree. Look, Ebert's first five or six touches went straight to the opposition. Uh, that was an absolute disaster. Um, Ollie Wines was nowhere to be seen in the first half. He only had one touch in the second quarter. Um, you know, Boak was disappointing up to half time. Polek was disappointing. Um, Amon shirked a contest big time in the forward pocket. Um, sort of made up for it with his sort of mark with the run with a flight a few minutes later, but um, he still needed he, to attack that contest a lot harder. He, than he disappointed did. me, Macca. I know you're a fan, but I'm a big he, fan. But his ball use was uh, was average, not good. No, he, he kicked it out on the full twice and nearly did another two times. Um, he looked, especially he once in, I think, extra time where I can't remember who took the mark, but geez, it looked out of bounds on the full, but they called it a mark. He um, he looked petrified, and that's not the only game. I wonder if it was it the St Kilda game, he did the same and kicked three out on the full or something like that. I, either he's got extreme confidence in his kicking, which maybe he shouldn't have because he doesn't execute it, um, but I, it's not his first game where he's had a few repeat out on the falls. And yeah. I thought I thought he had the courage, um, but he really looked short of courage yeah. on Saturday night, and he looked scared. And I think that's a worrying sign for him because... Uh, you know what? He's 22 now, and unfortunately for us, we've signed him to a two-year contract. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, he can play better than that. I don't. I don't think he was an absolute disaster. He got better as the game wore on, but um, you know, Polek was disappointing as well. He only had two contested possessions, Polek, in the whole game, and he had 25 touches. Um, so he played very, very outside. Pal Pepper's first five or six. You know, disposal. He looked pretty spooked out there to start with as well. Um, and Sam Gray was non-existent in the first half too. So pretty much all our ball winners and ball movers that you want to have, uh, you know, with the ball in their hands, just failed to deliver once again um, in a first half. And for what? Probably the fifth or sixth time this year. And, you know, it happened multiple times last year and the year before that too. So as you say, mate, you know, something's got to give at some point and... Um, they, they might be good names on paper, but when push comes to shove, when we need them to stand up, um, they did let us down a little bit in that first half. And my biggest issue is their... Especially look, at home. Sorry to interrupt, mate. Especially at yeah. home. That's our home ground, our home final. Yeah, we've not beaten West Coast there. We should have been absolutely pumped up, ready to tear the shit out of them. And oh, just so disappointed. Like, I was sitting with a, um, a bunch of mates, and one of them turned around and said, you know, this is just like the 2003 qualifying final against Sydney um, during the first half. And I just have to agree. Like, they just came out almost scared about what was going to happen. And it should not happen at our home ground. Fair enough if the game was at Subi, not at Adelaide Oval. What annoys me, though, is the coaches are so stubborn 
Um, we're getting smashed in the centre, and I don't think they moved Robbie Gray in the centre in that first quarter. Yeah, and it was no different to Melbourne. They did the same thing in the Melbourne game, and I'm pretty positive they did it almost in the, the showdown as well. You know, we're getting smashed in there. He's still our best clearance player. It's a knockout final. Who gives a crap if you're trying to back in the other guys? Just get the friggin' guy in there because there was no coincidence. Once he went into the middle, we started getting on top. And, yeah, uh, you know, and again, we just let them take the momentum for a whole friggin' quarter before we actually bit the bullet and put our best player in the guts. And, you know, it's like... Richmond going, no, no, we want to, we want to reward, I don't know, Gladstone or whatever his name is. And we're going to put him in the, in the, we're going to put him in the center for the whole quarter, regardless of his, how he plays. And, uh, Dustin Martin can just sit in the forward pocket. Um, it's you know, the Nick then, Stevens scenario from 03 all over again. No one would do that. It's just, mm. you know, except for us. And, you know, it's costly. I mean, if they brought him in after five or ten minutes, you know, we might have won a few clearances and got on top and got got a bit of balance. And, you know, we're going to suck it up. Unfortunately, we rely on Robbie Gray um, because he's clearly our best and most dominant player. And, uh, yeah, I so I feel like we went into this game and the second half of the season even uh, experimenting and trying to learn lessons. And I, I, don't know, I don't know if a final was the right place to be doing that. Yeah. So what is wrong with our midfield, mate? Why does it take until halfway through the second quarter for our midfield to sort of kick into gear as it's done so many times this year? Why do we fail to turn up? Is it tactical? Is it structure? Is it talent? Is it motivation? Is it the message from the coaches? What What is it that uh, causes us these issues? Well, you wouldn't think professional athletes it would be motivation unless they get over-motivated. Mm. You know, unless, they, unless they're getting so worked up to perform... You know, especially at home, like, you know, oh, my God, we've got to perform for our crowd or whatever, that that, um, that they sort of over-try, if you can. But I personally, I, I think it just comes down to structure. I, you know, I think we're, our midfield coaching has been poor since uh, 2015. And um, I just think we just have poor structure and we, we, we position poorly at times and, and we're slow to change, like I said earlier. We just seem to be too stubborn. And, um, yeah, and I guess we can get away with it against the lower, weaker sides. Pardon me, but we can't get away with it um, against the better sides. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think it's probably a blend of all of those things. Like, I just don't understand how you can come out so sluggish for a final at home uh, for an elimination final. Uh, against a team you haven't beaten before at uh, at your home ground. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like it is tactical. Maybe the players are just standing in the wrong spots at the centre bounces or something. I, I'm not sure what it is, but we just don't win the hard ball. When it's there to be won early in a game, uh, we just don't win the hard ball. Um, and when we do win it, we sort of just rush disposal and just bang it long and, and hope for the best. And it, it never, ever sort of works out at all well. But like I said to you before, I mean, it's you know, I mean, twenty seconds to go, we're, we're Paddy Riders tapping it back into back into the into the centre of the ground to a, to the midfielder who didn't catch it. You know, as far as I remember, the tactics always to punch it back to the boundary line. Yeah. You know, obviously you probably need someone sort of positioned there these days, so it's not called intentional, which you can do. 
but um, you know, surely you want to be punching it back to the boundary line. You know, could we have clogged up space more in that last two minutes? You know, could we? Yeah, you know, it's and again, it comes we, back we, to we, we made a lot of mistakes in those last two minutes. Like as I said, Wingard had the ball twice on a wing with uh, ninety seconds left and, and burned it twice. All he had to do was hit one of those targets, and the game was pretty much over. Because uh, all we had to do then was sort of, you know, eat up the clock a bit, um, get it deep inside 50, and uh, and we probably would have won the game. But, um, you know, you burn the ball twice in, in a bad spot, um, they get the chance to regroup and, and bang it back down into the forward line. And, it, I mean, it's other stuff like, um, you know, Sam Gray and Chad Wingard going for speckies. Oh, uh, Sam Gray. <laughs> you know? Like, can, Sam Gray needs to forget about trying to be Gary Moorcroft trying to take a horizontal specky, which he tried about five times in the last quarter and three extra time. Like, just don't do it. Keep your feet. Like, <laughs> that that was the the most frustrating part of, of uh, Saturday night's game was him flying for hangers at crucial times, and just falling on his back and taking an eternity to get up. Like, just don't do it. Don't do it. Why bother? You're not going to take the mark. Don't do it. Correct. And, um, you know, I mean, if you think about it like Sam Mitchell, like, how many times do you remember Sam Mitchell in a game going for a specky? Well, he can't jump, so zero times. You know, but so he's always... He's always either trying to nudge his opponent under the ball or he's front and centre just ready to crumb the ball. And, I mean, that's, you know, he's a perfect example of, you know, what you should be doing as a small midfielder, forward, whatever, you know, and especially Sam Gray. I mean, at least, you know, Chad can take a spectacular mark, but Sam Gray just needs to be front and centre. And that's his job, to be front and centre, and just on the ground and picking up the ball, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just poor um, decision making. And you'd have to go back to it's poor instruction because if they they keep picking him and he keeps doing it, and so if they're not holding him accountable to that sort of on field con- behaviour, well then you know what's going to happen? Nothing's going to change. Mm. What do you think of Ollie Wine's second half? I thought he went into beast mode after half time and. Um... And really worked us back into the game, and uh, you know, a, a great goal in the last quarter, a great goal in extra time. Um, that should have been, in the end, after a poor first half, that should have been another um, excellent finals effort from Ollie. Yeah, I thought Ollie was great. He, uh, yeah, he's a beast, as you said. He's a big boy, and uh, he did what he had to do, and he tried to lift the team, and he he executed in clutch moments. So you you can't really. Um, say any more or lay any blame. Yeah, he, he did what he did. And will he be the next captain of Port Adelaide in the 2018 season? Well, Pommy Power on the uh, speaker chat, he's keen for Charlie Dixon to be captain. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I, uh, I, I'm a big fan I'm not of against Dan, it. I'm a big fan of Dan Houston. Give him the captaincy straight away. <laughs> the Dan. The Dan. Dan the man. That'd be something. Anyone that bleeds and cries like he does, he deserves to. Um, he deserves it. I don't know who else. I mean, who is there? I mean, yeah, look, Charlie, maybe I'd maybe make him vice captain. But I mean, he's doing what he's doing, and he's good. Why, why distract him from it? I think uh, 
you know, I think Ollie deserves to wear the number one on his back and uh, and uh, let him flourish with that responsibility. Yeah, that's that's fine by me. Paddy Ryder, uh, zero marks on the weekend. He got outmarked by Jamie Cripps and uh, <laughs> numerous other players uh, on the weekend. Um, do you think he might have been just cooked after a huge year, after missing all of last year, um, and that's why he maybe saved his worst performance for the season in a in an elimination final? I think maybe he might have just been nervous. Mm. I don't think he was cooked. He just had a week off, so he was either injured or he was nervous. I think, and I think he's just got he he had stage fright. That's what I reckon, and I, I think a few of them did. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think it's that whole Chuck OS, you know, getting him too worked up in the box that makes him anxious. Maybe that's what's going on again. History's repeating itself. You know, but there was a lot of nervous looking boys out there and he was one of them. And he's a better player than that. He was influential in the rut work. Yeah. Oh, definitely he was. Um especially through the second half. I mean he won a lot of hit outs, but he was just a non event around the ground. Um but he wasn't working harder either. You know? I mean, no, look, I've played... No, it was just sort of dawdling along, doing his own thing. Um, and look, you yeah, should played... never be outmarked by Jamie Cripps, to be honest. <laughs> no, he shouldn't. And there's been a couple of times, like, in uh, amateur sport for me where I've sort of had a bit of nerves. Like, there was a cricket final, and I remember I went out to bat, and, like, for the first five overs, my legs were like lead weights. I, um, yeah, I just couldn't run. I, yeah, it was just... And it was just the nerves that got on top of me. And then as the guy, as I kept batting, it sort of disappeared. And, you know, maybe he just, he got stage fright and, uh, yeah. And I guess that's where the club needs to be tough and work out, okay, who are these players, players that are repeat stage fright players um, under high intense conditions? And are they really the player to send us forward to a grand final, as David Kosh pointed out on Sunday night? Mm, that's fair. Um on the other side of the spectrum, uh, Darcy Byrne Jones, who's had a bit of an indifferent year. He's been good. He's been bad. He's been sort of in the middle, and um, he saved his best game for the season for uh, Saturday night. You thought it was his best game? I think it was probably his best game. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he he fluffed a few kicks, but he wasn't a lone soldier, was he? But he was intense. I thought he was tough as nails, and his attack yeah, of the bowl, yeah. and uh, especially through that sort of last. 30, 40 minutes was um, was as good as anybody's out there. He's a young George Fiacci clone, isn't he? <laughs> he is a bit. He is a bit. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a he's a great look. All those defenders um, are humming. Yeah, so I guess you've got to give kudos to Nathan Bassett, don't you? Yeah. Well, as we said before, our defence is um, is top notch. It's just about elite. Um, it's just the rest of the ground that has to uh, catch up now. Yeah, yeah. So he's built, he's built an amazing elite uh, defensive structure, and you know it's all, it's a plug. You could always argue it's a plug and play structure now in defence, couldn't you? I mean, you lose one player and uh, another one comes in and can do the job, even if they're an immature player. Yeah, well, the fact that we had um, some experienced guys like Homsch and Broadbent not playing, and obviously Trengove as well, not back there, and jo- and Jonas, and Jonas. I mean, it's you know that's. You know, three quarters of our, you know, old first string uh, defensive group there. Yeah, well, I'd actually say two thirds, but I'm with you. Mm. Um, <laughs> good on you. 
Jarman Impey was obviously uh, included um, in for this match at the expense of Aidan Johnson. Uh, how did you find Jarman Impey's game on Saturday night? Well, I'll try to be respectful, um, but I don't think he handled the situation at all very well. I mean, that fumble um, when he could have taken the mark, I think that was in the third quarter. That was uh, pretty, uh, pretty. I'm sure Jarman was embarrassed by that, but there was plenty of moments where he just fumbled and, yeah. and didn't use I guess maybe his instruction was to run fast and, so he was just trying to follow that instruction before he had the ball. I don't know, but um, yeah, look, I I was felt a bit unlucky for Aiden Johnson. I thought he was serviceable, and I thought he was more serviceable than Jarman for the games that he played. But um, as we've d- discussed in a lot of ad nauseum, I would have preferred Jackson in for Jarman, and I think we would have got more value. Yeah, look, Jarman was a bit of a disaster. Let's let's be honest. Um, yeah, that. Uh, that's ball spillage when we had the run of the play in the third quarter and had all the momentum. That was the, the massive momentum killer. And whilst, yes, it, it did end up with a shot on goal to Charlie Dixon from about 55 metres out on the boundary, um, that should have been a walking goal had Impey uh, grabbed the ball and just taken off because uh, we had players free everywhere. And uh, that would have been our third goal in about, what, four minutes. And um, we were absolutely flying at that stage. Yeah, absolutely. It's well, I I don't know what else can you say without bagging the shit out of a player, and we don't like to do that. But no. um, or or do we? Do we do that? Well, we try not to, and I'm not going to bag him. But um, that it could well be the w- last time we see him play for Port Adelaide. Let's be honest. Well, I'm I'm almost willing to put a line through him as a Port Adelaide player. Mm. I'm just not I'm just not convinced. I've, I've liked him, you know I'm a fan, um, but the improvement just has not been there. He's regressed this year. Yes, he's had, obviously, personal tragedy and, and all that, but in the end, you get paid money. You've got to put your performances out on the park, um, especially in big games, and, and it just hasn't worked out, unfortunately, for Jars this year. Um, if he is at the club next year, hopefully he's back bigger and better than ever and uh, and can really start repaying some of this faith. Mm. Hope so, but uh, I'd, I'd probably prefer that we try and trade him while he's got some value. Mm. Uh, Westhoff kind of starting the game down back. Uh, were you a fan? Were you well, he crit- started critical awesome, of that? Yeah. or No, I, well, I was critical of the fact that we're short of forward that we needed, but we weren't getting the ball down there really anyway. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I thought he was very, very strong in the first quarter, but as the game went on, he disappeared. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I think, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that was very, uh, you know, it was detrimental. And I guess it comes back to my whole philosophy, which you've heard probably 20,000 times over the last five years we've been going at this Mecca, but Westhoff throws our tall, short balance out of whack. And, um, and I'm sure Westhoff was the reason they fell in love with playing two key defenders because they probably thought, okay, well, we can just send Westhoff back. Uh, to help clog up the defence in need, um, but then that means we're we're short uh, and tall forward. And I'm pretty confident that Dixon kicked three goals six, and he was a monster for the whole game. And I'm sure you're going to get to him. But um, you know, if he had a tall forward in addition to Marshall supporting him up forward, Dixon maybe wouldn't have run 
as much and he probably wouldn't have been tanked when he was trying to take a fair few shots and goal and yeah. he probably would have had, he probably would have had a bit more composure so um yeah i think no westoff westoff needs if he's going to be picked he just has to be picked solely as a wingman and that is it well i'm glad we had him down back in that first quarter cuz i thought he was our best player and probably yeah. stopped us from being about eight goals down at quarter time um and it was a decision on necessity from poor selection choices as opposed to anything else, um, unfortunately, uh, for us. But, uh, yeah, he did go missing a little bit later on. But um, I, I did think that his uh, first quarter was uh, was pretty important. Um, Absolutely. And would certainly be talking uh, very, very highly of it if we did actually win the game. Uh, and, yes, Charlie Dixon um, just had a monster game. 23 touches, 7 marks. Nine scoring shots. Unfortunately, he kicked six points in a row after um, you know kicking our first three goals. I think it was. Um, but yeah, look, I don't really blame him. Like uh, quite a few of those shots were pretty out wide and and from fair distance, and uh, he was running like you wouldn't believe out there. I think his opponent ran sixteen point five kilometers or something in Eric McKenzie. So um, Dixon would have done something pretty similar to that as well and uh, I'm not sure he's he's built to do um, that much running to be honest well he showed that he is but I guess it was just the the execution aspect of it but I loved his you know his tackles from behind created spillages and you know he was physical in the contest and you know he was everywhere it was almost uh, Treadray like in his effort and yeah. Um, yeah, and it, I mean, look, you being a little bit lenient, there was a couple of very gettable goals there that he should have got. Oh, the one um, in the third quarter where he ran into an open goal and missed—that was uh, that was terrible. But he could have even, run, could have literally run into the open goal. Um, and even in the yeah. last, you know, forty meters out, you know, a bit of an angle, he should have he should have dobbed that too. Um, but yeah, the rest the rest were trickier. But that's a. That's the repercussions of playing a, a bit of a, um, I was going to say coward's game, but that's probably a bit too harsh. But a, conser- a conservative game plan of, you know, trying to kick it to the pockets. Yeah. You know, you're giving you're giving your forwards shit opportunities at goal by kicking to the pockets. Yeah. I mean, the guy's six foot freaking nine. I mean, kick it to the goal square and he's going he's gonna to mark half of them. Yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, we ended up what, having 26 scoring shots to 18. Like, yeah, we we really should have won that game. Yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, um, hopefully we can learn from this. And, um, look, I take a lot of uh, positivity going forward next year. As we've said, I, I love our back line. I love the kids coming through. Um, I'm really, really happy that um, our reserves are going to be playing in a grand final because I think it's going to give guys like Atley and Drew and Leanit and, um, you know, Snelling... Uh, Palmer, Austin, all, all these guys, some some really great experience playing in a high pressure game, um, which should uh, certainly help going forward uh, with their AFL careers. Yeah, it's an interesting time. Yeah, how many people do you think we're going to delist and trade in this upcoming period? Well, I don't know. Probably five or six, I would think. Well, you think White, Mumphreys, Cracker, they're going to be delisted, right? You would think that trio will, will be gone for sure. Lock, and it, lock, lock it in, mate. Trengo's most likely gone. Trengo's most likely gone. You would think Archie's gone. Um, I don't know what you get. I mean, if that's four right there, 
right? Well, um, five. <laughs> oh, was it five? Five with Archie, six with Palmer. Oh, no, don't don't include don't include Archie and Palmer. So I mean, there's four. Then you got Matthew mm. White. Well, you already mentioned White. He was part of the three. Oh, did I? Yeah. Was he? I'm losing count already. There you go. <laughs> You're just making up for my number pedantic number thing earlier. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they they might keep Brendan for depth and Palmer. Maybe they won't get rid of those two guys. And then there's still think... Matty Loby as well. And who knows oh. what's going to happen there? Well, surely he has to be traded out. Well, even someone, if it, someone's even going to want him first. Even if it's for the third rounder or something. I mean, yeah. God. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, there you go. And we haven't even mentioned Tumpus. I mean, there's guys like Broadbent. Yeah. I mean, there's Impey. I mean, we could easily make 10 list changes this year if we wanted to. Yeah. If we wanted it to be a high turnover year, which I probably wouldn't recommend doing in this draft, but if we wanted to, then it, you could certainly see a, a huge turnover. Well, that's why, unless unless they can get a trade for Brendan, I think you're better off sort of keeping Palmer and Brendan, um, you know, because at least their you know their bodies are developed and they they'll be depth players, even if it's against weaker sides and stuff like that. But um, then yeah, there's Aaron Young. Aaron Young's well. another one. Well, let's no, just go shit. through the whole list. I mean, Ira, I mean, geez, You know, what's he done? Bloody hell. Well, Laddams, God. Aren't they rookies? Travis Boak, Robbie Gray, trade him out. We, we'd get something good for Robbie Gray, so maybe you we reckon? should trade him out. Ollie Wines, yeah. you know. Are you being facetious now, Macca? Oh, I'm happy to make 28 list changes this year, mate. Are you really? 28? Yeah. 28, yeah. Well, I think we need to change up the midfield. I think Keep that's the, the takeaway. Just keep the defence and the rest can go. Yeah. We need a couple of superstar midfielders, don't we, that, that can use the ball. If you could pick any midfielder, who would you pick to be playing in our side? Oh. Brad Crouch. Brad Crouch? Yeah. Is he a good user of the ball? He's a good user of the ball. He's inside, he's outside, he wins clearances, he makes tackles, he kicks goals. He wouldn't take Dustin Martin? 22. Oh, Dusty. Yeah, probably, Dusty. Yeah. Dylan Shield. Josh Porsche. Kelly. Josh Kelly, yeah. All the guns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, look, let's uh, let's get on to our questions because we do have a lot of questions here from uh, the Big Footy Faithful. And uh, not again. I love that name, especially today. Um, he's asked the question, Pollock was caught in an almost identical incident against the Bulldogs a couple of rounds ago. Does this suggest that Pollock as an individual and the club as a, as a whole aren't doing enough to minimise this sort of contact and the associated freeze against? Uh, look, we didn't actually uh, talk about that. Do you think that was a free kick? Or do you think it should have been play on? Well, I don't really want to talk about it because I think as a supporter base, we whinge about the umpires and sort of have a chip on our shoulder way too much. Anyway, um, you know, too many conspiracy theories go on. But I think in real time, it's a free kick. When you dissect it after the game and you look at the uh, slow motion, it's not a free kick. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think... um... To the letter of the law, it shouldn't have been a free kick. But, I mean, the, the umpire wouldn't have probably seen it that way in live, um, even though they, they should be aware that guys like Shuey do that all the time. He's probably the worst of lifting his arm up to cause high contact, even worse than Selwood, really. 
But if you don't see if you don't see the half a second second arm raise, but you see Polek's arm going over the shoulder, um, you're going to call the free kick. So it took him a long t- it took him a long time to call it as well. I don't know if he had to think about it for a second or two before he sort of made that decision, but uh, and whether he was fifty fifty on making that call, but it seemed to take a long time for that um, for that uh, that whistle to go. Yeah, well, he was probably shitting his pants on making a free kick that was going to decide the game, and uh, rightly so. But um, again, I'd be more cons- I'm more concerned why Ryder wasn't sort of doing the ultra conservative, tapping it back towards the boundary line and trying to block it, you know, and, try- and us trying to block it up, or why Jasper didn't run it through for a point um, more so than Jared slipping after 140 minutes of active football. And uh, and make it playing a high tackle under huge fatigue. I mean, you could say the same about Dan Houston throwing one arm out when Vardy kicked it to Kennedy for a goal. You know, it was pretty pretty hapless effort of a tackle, but the poor kid was probably gassed and uh, you know because they just put everything on the line for so long. So you know, fatigue is going to generate mistakes. Yeah. Um, Cam 1870, which uh, Smiths song best captures what it's like supporting Port right now? Yeah, well, I don't know the Smiths, so I can't answer that one. <laughs> I think it's a good question, and there's so many that apply. I've gone with uh, please, please, please let me get what I want. Um, I almost chose heaven knows I'm miserable now. That, that, that figures. Uh, Stop me if you think you've heard this one before was pretty close too. Yeah, that would have been a winner. Yeah. Uh, Papagallo, uh, what is it from this season that gives you hope that we can go all the way next season? Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair answer. Okay. Um, I have no. I have no hope that we can go all the way next season. Look, I, as I've said about five times now, I love our defence. I think it's good enough to set and forget. Um, I think there is still improvement in our defensive structures through the midfield that can be made. Obviously, I'm expecting more improvement from Bonner, Atley, Marshall, Howard, these sorts of guys. I think if we do make a free agency signing in, in someone like Motlop or Rockliffe, that'll certainly improve our team as well. Um, maybe we need to get a, a third toll up forward in, in someone like Frampton. Um, yeah, look, I, th- I think there are certainly improvements that can be made next year, and I am expecting us to improve next year. I'm not, not expecting us to drop off with a, a bit of a harder draw. Um, I, I think we can improve. I think there's natural improvement in the list. And uh, I'm certainly expecting that to happen. So you're expecting us to be able to win a grand final next year? I think we can definitely make top four next year. And from top four, um, you can definitely make a grand final. Mm. I think our our forward line, our second and third tall forwards are going to be very immature um, to be making a grand final. And... I'm not. If we keep our midfield the same as it is, I just can't see our midfield being strong and disciplined enough to be making a grand final either. Well, in 2004, we had Toby Thurston's as our second tall forward, and he'd played all of about eight games of footy before that at AFL level. So um, you can see. Yeah, but look at this. Look at the skill and depth. um, Oh yeah, we had we had all over the ground. I mean. Yeah, I mean it's we don't have the that luxury at the moment. Yes, a bit of organic growth, I would say, uh, Jimmy Unchained. That's for sure. Uh, Porsche yeah. in the speaker chat has said Ryder and Dixon both backing up seems unlikely. 
Not sure I agree with that. I think um, Dixon's proven that he can play uh, a full season now of, of high-quality football. And I think uh, with an improved midfield, some improved delivery to the forward line, he can certainly kick another 15 or 20 goals. Yeah, I think so. I think his performance can be the same and consistent, but with exactly that improved midfield, if we can, his performance will be better. Yeah. And look, Ryder, with um, another pre-season under his belt, um, without having missed the previous 12 months, um, I reckon he could definitely improve again next year as well because he's still got... um, Still got beaten in five or six games this year, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I see. I I know it's very easy to be negative today and and this year as a whole, but I don't know. I take a lot of positives out of some parts of what's happened this year, and think that we can grow and uh, and certainly improve to uh, get to a premiership level. Uh, Pommy Power, has there ever been a more heartbreaking moment in your whole life? <sighs> Yeah, 2002 and 2003, because mm. we had better teams back then, and uh, and yeah, I used to have a crush on this girl called Penny, and it never went anywhere. That really disappointed me too. Mm. That's the show. I would say my wife having a miscarriage with what would have been our first child after it took two and a half years to get pregnant probably run a close second to Saturday night. I reckon for sure. Oh, come on. Um, <laughs> that's, all, that's awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that wasn't a good day, that one. That was that was not fun. Um, but yeah, in, in footy terms, I would I would say 2003 would, would certainly be worse. Um, that was our Sydney loss, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was oh, a that disaster. Was, <laughs> that was a... Yeah, that was deplorable. It was just like... That was just such a tease of a game. Yeah, you know, and I mean, we we should have been, we should have won that easily, and yeah, it was that was the you know it was the making of Sydney and the the undermining of uh, Port Adelaide, really. Mm. Yes, and uh, Needs Gravy has asked: Is the current group um, players the best of sorry young players the best group the club has had coming through since we moved to the AFL? Well, it's probably collectively the most we've ever rewarded a group of young players. But I can remember since since probably two thousand and four onwards. Anyway, mm. I still think that group back then was probably, but you know, your Burgoyne, Cassisi, Corns, Carr, Guerra, that that sort of group was probably better. I would think. Yeah. Even the guys that didn't make it, you know, guys like Chris Hole, they had a lot of talent. Um, Kane Acklin, there was a lot of hopes for him, didn't work out, but. Um, yeah, I was I was pretty um, excited by what he uh, might have been able to do. Mm. Um, Janus has asked, which was worse, Lucas Neal versus Grosso in uh, Kaiserslautern or uh, Polek versus Shui at mm. Adelaide Oval? Was that the sliding tackle? Yeah. With the penalty, with the drag legged? Yes. Oh, shit. That's a tough one. Oh, I would was... say that one's worse because it, yeah, was, it, was. it was unnecessary for him to do that. Um, it was. It was. He didn't need to. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, you kind of I need ne- to tackle in uh, in AFL. Yeah, I, I nearly vomited at that decision. I mean, that was such <laughs> a that was such a big leg drag to generate the bloody trip, though. I mean, it was oh, so yeah. corny. I mean, any umpire with half a testicle could have let that uh, play on. Yeah, that that was much worse. I was 
I was more, I was much more upset over that than um, what happened on Saturday night. But maybe that's just the uh, the apathy that I've had for Port this year. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Just on it uh, before I continue with the questions. Um, Forty-one thousand people. What did you think of that? I don't really care because I had a great time. Um, there was Does, only two thousand. Do, do you think that was... shows? I mean, there's a couple of issues here. I mean, the first issue is that um, the AFL released that there was only 1,500 tickets available. Um, so there's obviously some sort of something wrong with how the tickets are distributed to have that many people not turn up or that yeah. many tickets not sold. Um, so that's an issue in itself. But do you think that only getting 41,000 there shows maybe the apathy that Port supporters have had towards the club this year? Oh... Uh... Look, I think there's not a lot of money in South Australia. So I think the cost for a lot of the average supporter um, might have been difficult. Um, mm. But I think there were a lot of feedback was that the ticketing system for a lot of people, you know, was hard. Like they slow release tickets or something. And so maybe people didn't think they could get what they wanted. So they gave up or didn't bother. Um, I don't know. It's um, it's. It was at the end of the day. It was an elimination final. I think it was on par with our early two season sort of attendances at Footy Park. Um, yeah, I mean our preliminary final in '04 got had forty five thousand against St Kilda or something. So uh, yeah, it seems to seems to be on par. I thought it was a bit odd that it was uh, a little bit empty, but yeah, I don't know. I had a good time. That's all that matters. I had a great time too, and look, the crowd was as fired up as, um, uh, well, definitely more fired up than any other game this year. Uh, that's certainly the loudest and, and more into the game um, than any game I've seen uh, this year for sure. Uh, and look, they were very expensive, you know, ninety-two dollars each. I can certainly understand, like if you if you're having to buy four or five tickets for your family, uh, it's going to be a very very expensive. Yeah, three hundred and fifty bucks. 350 bucks for a family and unfortunately you know i mean we can't we shouldn't be judging people for some people that's a lot of money and they can't afford it you know? yeah and uh, i probably couldn't afford the tickets that i bought but i just went stuff it or do it anyway but mm. um you know it's uh yeah and i guess it's easy i can watch it on tv so uh maybe tv one but i mean those people that could have gone but chose not to they missed out because it was the best game for the year and uh you know for me that's that's how footy should be played, and there was less of that zoning, noticeable chippy chippy hole possession zoning crap, and uh, it was just a good brutal game of football. Uh, Don Draper has asked if you could add one fast food vendor to Adelaide Oval, who would you pick? <sighs> That's a good question, isn't it? It's a very good question. Who would you pick? Bing Boy. What would you pick? Bing Boy. What's that? It's a it's a Bing. It's a um it's like a uh, Asian wrap sort of thing. It's um oh, Is it vegetarian awesome. options? Yeah, they are awesome. They're the best. Or cold rock. I love a bit of cold rock, even though I haven't had it for about nine years. Um, oh, I don't know, maybe I'd like maybe some dumplings. Dumplings? Okay. Yeah. Or some sushi? Yeah. Yeah. Or any vegetarian hamburger joint? There's supposed okay. to be a good one on King William Street. Veggie sizzle. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Uh, Zach Lee has asked, uh, if Jackson Trengove had been left as a defender and not tried to be made into a forward, do you think he would still be in the team and continuing his career at Port? Has his sacrifice for the coach and team cost him his career at the club? I think so. I think so too. Yeah, yeah, I think they they really played him out of a position and um, I guess that's just natural growth in a side. Um, you know, but I think Jacko would have equally been a great defender back there. So uh, he's very unlucky. Yeah. Look, absolutely. Look, you know, we're huge fans of Jacko, obviously, and um, he's been a wonderful servant for Port Adelaide. And if he does leave, it's going to be... Uh, I'm going to be very upset by it. Um, and, and you can't help but feel like, uh, yes him having to uh, help out the team last year and going into Ruck has cost him his Port Adelaide career, which is uh, very, very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and as, which um, and as has a follow-up people... question from Dylan, <coughs> oh, which is, uh, yeah. is there any reason Trengove couldn't have played as a defender rotating into the Ruck instead of being shoehorned forward? Oh, no, I've asked that question before. I can't see a problem with it. I would have, personally, well, I would have... team balance? Why? Because you would need to have a spare key defender on the bench. It's easy to play a small forward line. Um, but we have, we have taking away a, a centre half back to play in the ruck. Um, like there's a reason why no other club does that. Yeah, but we have a um, we have Westhoff that drops back anyway at those moments. So I can't see why that couldn't have done it. Maybe, but you're having to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the the only player that I can think of in recent memory that's done that is Jordan Ruffhead. And that was in years where the dogs weren't overly great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's much easier to have a, um, you know, a, a, a second or third forward that can sort of run in the, into the ruck and help out for five, six minutes as opposed to a key defender. Because what you don't want to happen is move a centre-half back into your bloody ruck and suddenly that player kicks, you know, two or three quick goals. Yeah, but I mean, that's where you got the luxury of um, Howard and Jacko could work together. So, you know, you could have either one could play forward and back and just completely interchange and gives you complete flexibility, which in theory Westhoff can do too. So I can't see a reason why it couldn't happen. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Um, Mitch in 3D has asked for a first-year key forward. Marshall had a respectable game against the Eagles. Will he be a 20-plus game player for Port next year? Well, you think with the decision that they made that he will be. Yeah, you'd think he that from here, from here on he's playing unless he's broken an arm or something. Yeah, he's got to play every game next year that he's fit for, for sure. Otherwise, um, it was stupid what they did this year. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, what, why, why persist with him when he is obviously not developed enough to be ready? Um, yeah, and especially in a finals game, so they they've sort of gone. He's our future. Yeah. Um, Andre has asked, does Broadbent have a place on this list anymore? Um, our small defenders were yet again one of the shining lights. Um, if not, what's his realistic trade value? Uh, I don't know. You probably know this better than me. I'd I'd hope that we do look to trade him off, and at no disrespect to Matthew and. Try and get a. Would we get a second rounder for him? I would think so. Look, he's. I, I still think he's a very good player. Um, he could certainly still play another hundred games of AFL footy for another club if it if it came to that. 
Um, does he have a place on the list? I, I would like to think so. Um, but I just don't know where. <laughs> I mean, maybe we need. Maybe he needs to be that sort of bench midfielder coming in. Um, we know when he plays through there, he does win clearances, lays tackles, wins a contested bowl, usually does a very good job. Uh, but he's just never played there um, anymore. Um, I would think that if we do look to trade him, I would think, yeah, we could definitely get a second rounder for him. A pick in the 20s, I would think. Mm. Yeah, I'd hope so. I think that's what he's reasonably worth and trying to be neutral on it and not biased. I mean, he's a he's a serviceable um, halfback flanker. Maybe another club might have some courage to rotate him through the midfield. And, you know, he's got a big body and he uses the ball well, big kick. So you'd think someone like a, a Carlton or North Melbourne or, you know, one of those sort of teams, even an Essendon would, or a Gold Coast would sort of benefit from someone like Matthew playing Brisbane. Yeah, even some better teams than the uh, than the wooden spooners of the league, I think, would um, would certainly do do with him. I think. Um, I'd love I to guess see we'll what have to a wait and see there because it does look like he's been squeezed out a bit. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty happy with Houston back there. I'm pretty happy with Hartlett back there. DBJ is a different sort of player and is is pretty handy too. And then you have got Bonner coming through. Mm. Um, it does look like he's been squeezed out. Yeah, I hope, and I hope this is where we. We have that ruthless edge instead of the nice guys, where we um, we actually do um, you know make these difficult calls instead yeah. of just trying to keep everybody happy. Uh, Who me has asked? Did the coaching panel give up on the flag after the showdown debacle? Why else would they implement a youth policy so late in the season? Well, look, I don't think the youth policy actually cost us. I mean. The youth policy actually invigorated us. It's it's just really one controversial non-selection, um, which doesn't really have anything to do with the youth policy, so to speak. Yeah, possibly. I mean, look, it, it's hard to say that there wasn't some sort of change because there clearly was. Clearly some sort of discussion has happened and they've made the decision to say, right, we're going to drop two, three players and bring in, you know, some young kids and see how they go. Um, did they give up on the flag? I, I'm not sure. I, I agree with you, Rick. I don't think it cost us the game on the weekend as such. Um, because as we well, said, they were, Howard was just about best on ground. Um, they were a bit of Bonner players. was brilliant. <laughs> Houston was brilliant. Um, and DBJ. Marshall was, was okay as well, in part. Um so yeah, I don't agree that that we gave up on the flag. I think we were just trying to reinvigorate the team a bit and get some players uh, who were pretty happy to be out there playing. What I was disappointed with, I guess, is that we didn't do something like this a lot earlier in the season when it was obvious that players were injured like Broadbent and Pittard, but we kept running them into the ground, hoping that um, you know they would execute something. And I think that midsection of the season... Well, there was some obvious injuries to players. Um, that's where, uh, yeah, we yeah. missed out. IBD77, what should the club focus more on in pre-season? Skills, fitness or tactics? Uh, I'm going to say mm-hmm. the obvious answer is skills. But given that we have not been able to improve our skill level for the last five years... It's not going to happen with this group, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. 
Um, well, I mean, you have to take out. I think you'd have to be pretty uh, ruthless um, with some of the experienced players in our team. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. Tough calls. I'd say all of the above. I think I think our fit, I'm looking forward to seeing our fitness under a new fitness program and uh, skills are definitely need to be improved. I mean, either kicking it straight to Petri was a howler and that's just one of many from mm. many players. And But I think structurally we can be so much better as a team. I mean, I mean, I, we seem to harp on, but you look at Sydney, you look at Hawthorne, you look at even the Crows now. I mean, the Crows have got a great list because they structurally play to a great list. They're not maybe the best list on paper, GWS is, but the Crows are a well-oiled machine. They know when to run. They know where to position themselves. They know who to give the ball to. Um, and they extract the ball often and more than not into great positions, into great areas. And and I, at this point in time, and hats off to Don Pike, and you know our coaching group doesn't do that. And mm. that's why I, I'm sort of a little bit confused with the club coming out so steadfast in their support of the coaching group because I don't see what they're seeing. And we've been out coached on numerous times. And then for you know Kosh to come out and say that you know, players don't follow the coach's instructions, um, well, that's still the coach's problem and the yeah. coach's fault if they're not following instructions. And you, I could argue that they haven't been doing that for the last three freaking years. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. Well, I think tactically is where we need to improve, uh, certainly through the middle part of the ground. I think if we can fix that midfield, um, we will be very, very hard to beat. Um, it's just a matter of whether it is fixable or not with the current playing group. Um, mm. Next question from CT Power is, would you match the offer that the Western Bulldogs have reportedly made to Trengove with a view to forcing a trade? Could we get their first pick if we offered Trengove and something else? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if we sort of, if Jacko was happy to leave and we sort of played a game and say he was part of it and yeah, okay, matched it to get a trade... Fair enough. I guess he might be worth a late first-round pick. I don't know if they'd want to give up a top-10 pick for Jackson, though. Well, their first pick is pick nine, so you would think definitely not. Um, Their second is 26, which is a bit more realistic, I think. Um, Would they accept Trengove and our pick 29 for pick nine? Maybe. Probably not. Um, I think the only way that we'll get a first-rounder for him is if we get an end-of-first-round compo pick for him, but... Even then, I think now it's going to be a bit of a stretch. Well, I would have thought he would have been a late teen sort of trade player. He's, I mean, he's a versatile player. He, he's a great player. Um, okay, maybe his pace is just slightly off, but um, yeah, I would have thought late teens would be more than realistic for a player of Jackson's uh, standard. I think pick nine's probably too too high, but if we can get it, I'd take it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, but I don't think it's, that's going to happen. Um, no. Last question from one great club. Why do you think DBJ remonstrated with Mitchell for not spitting at Sam Gray? I just think that uh, DBJ is a bit of a bull terrier and likes to remonstrate anyway. Mm. I think I don't know. Mitchell I... clearly spat at Sam Gray. Come on. You think he did? Of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. Well, he did a he did a late head turn, didn't he, to sort of stop it from actually going on him. I think what what's been ignored here was the intentional jump into his back. Oh yeah, 
That was, I mean, that was terrible. He clearly did that he on purpose. He just sat on him. <laughs> yeah, of course he did. But no one, he had no, no intention talk- of going for the bowl and just plonked himself on his back. But no one's actually talking about that bit of dog act, and all they're talking about is this, um, you know, potential spit. Yeah, oh, that's I mean, Sam Mitchell, isn't it? Yeah, we, he's always been a bull terrier and a bit of a, you know, a bit of a dog player. So you expect no less. Mm. Great, I'd have him in our side though. <laughs> Just briefly, the Maggies in a grand final for the first time since yeah. 2014. I know you're um, very enthusiastic, can't you? I am very enthusiastic by this. They beat the Eagles by 33 points. Um, I think it's going to be a great thing. As I said, for our younger players, I think it's, the experience is going to be priceless. Um, and I hope this year we can actually win it. Oh, I think we're, I think we're benefit, benefiting from the fact that we've got a minimal injury list. And um, yeah, we looked really good on the weekend and we looked fitter and stronger and than the Eagles, and uh, yeah, I think I'd assume that the Eagles... It depends on list decisions, I think, because I think um, currently we've been allowed to play 17 AFL players. I think, from what I've read, that gets dropped back to 15 uh, for the grand final. But I think Marshall and Impey qualify. Um, I don't think Impey does. Need? No, need. Marshall and Need would qualify. I'm not sure Needy does, to be honest. And Bonner? Bonner would qualify. Marshall would. Um, Needy might be touch and go. Uh, we only played the last four games, three or four games. Yeah, but you, you have to have played a certain amount after June 30, I think, as well. There's right. all these uh, all these rules and regulations on who qualifies and who doesn't. Um but I, I think uh, the team that we're going to be able to put out on the park should be good enough to give it a good, good fair crack. And Who look, was we the defender? We haven't experienced a grand final at Port Adelaide for 13 years. If we win this SNFL grand final, I'm going to be pretty bloody happy. Who was the defender with the long hair? Leanit. Oh, is that Leanit, is it? Yeah. He looked, he looked the goods. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm. I would be very, very happy if we gave him another year because I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, he's not even really 100 percent suited to a key defensive role. He's a, uh, when you get him up on a wing or, or half back, he, he can be a super damaging player because he's got such a great leg on him. Yeah. Um, but it, he has sort of, um, yeah, sort of grown and improved as this season has gone on, and uh, I think he's certainly worth keeping. Yeah, it's um, well, there's an exciting time of the young players coming through. It's just the that our top end, it's the and the fringe ones like Archie and Young and Tumpus that are the question mark really. But um, anyway, that's a story for another day. We've got to talk about something next week. This is true. This is true. Uh, even though it's in two weeks' time, but um, we will be back. We won't be doing a podcast on Thursday. Um, uh, the Alberton Front Bar, they're going to be doing one on Thursday instead. Um, but we will be back next week. As I mentioned earlier, we'll still be doing podcasts all the way through to the draft. We're going to have our draft specials coming up where we're going to um, uh, preview uh, a whole stack of players in this year's draft. Obviously, we've got trade week coming up. Uh, we've got the Brownlow, all that sort of stuff. We've got the listings, best and fairest. Yeah. We'll do some all reviews good... on, on all our players as well. So All the good meaty stuff. Oh, yeah. All the fun stuff. I love off-season um, and, and talking 
shop like this, I think is great. And uh, yeah, until next time, can the pair. Power. Can the Maggies. 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 Yeah, Butcher. Goes forward again for Port Adelaide. No laughing matter for the Roos. Treadray. Oh, don't tell me. Oh, Treadray. Party time. And thank you very much.